Hey, this is the Bridging Realities Podcast with your hosts, Danielle Polgar and Eugenia Crock. Bridging the esoteric and the practical concepts of astrology into everyday life. We're happy you're hanging out with us and we hope you enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode. Yes. Welcome back, everybody. Happy um, mid-May. Yeah. Wow. How did that happen? It's like really weird. I can't believe it. Yeah, it's great. How's how's it going for you, Danny? Good. I can't believe we did this a week ago. It feels like so much has happened. And Mm. I don't I mean, one of the biggest things or revelations that I had this weekend um, was that I really don't enjoy speed astrology readings. Mm. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) I worked at an event or I I wouldn't say I worked. I just, I offered my services at an event at a yoga studio opening for a really good friend of mine and it was awesome. And I think I did maybe close to 20 back to back readings about 10 to 15 minutes a piece. And I didn't take a break and I, and still kind of, my brain is still reorganizing from all of that. But it did actually clarify something for me, which is that I really want to work with clients in a more therapeutic capacity and a more long-term relational capacity. So if you're listening and you're looking for someone to kind of guide you or you want to explore something in depth with your chart and just work through something, contact me. Find me on the web, <laughs> lifeofloving.com. So yeah, big realization. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you? Yeah. Um, yes, I've done actually a couple of those events as well. And I think 10 is a, is a max mm-hmm. and just for the future. It's actually like not like when I've done it, I, I've enjoyed it actually. Cause it's like, you get a lot of information and in very quickly and I've enjoyed that. But yes, at about 10, I'm like, Oh my God. Actually, probably less than that. It's a little bit too much. So, uh, so yeah, um, I'm good. You know, I, it's sunny here in Colorado. Finally, there's not a cloud in the sky today. Trees are definitely blooming. It is very exciting. And, um, (laughs) I woke up this morning with the song, um, just waking up in the morning, got to thank God. I don't know, but today seems kind of odd, you know? <laughs> I got to say, today was a good day. So I'm hoping that today is going to be a good day because who wakes up with that song in their head randomly on some idle uh, Thursday as as we're doing this? But I, I love Ice Tea. It's a great song. Um, So yeah, I'm good. And uh, my week's been interesting. It's been well. It's been going well. I, I, after... What I kind of spent some time doing this week is I, I thought about the podcast actually quite a bit. Uh, the last few episodes we've recorded, I've listened back to and felt disappointed with myself. And I've been thinking a lot about how vulnerable it is to do this podcast and for two reasons. One, because we're putting ourselves out there and we're opening ourselves up to judgment, uh, both positive and negative. But the other reason it's vulnerable is because it's opening myself up to incredible judgment about myself. And so I've been looking at that and thinking about that. And I went back and listened to some of the episodes. And uh, I say stupid things pretty frequently. Um, I say my words get a little bit jumbled. And it's interesting because I have Gemini rising 
kind of pretty pronounced mercury in my chart. And I actually do have a, a slight form of dyslexia. And then, so I'm actually very bad at spelling. I'm very bad at grammar. And then my words come out very sloppy oftentimes. And I mix up words and I actually say a lot of words that aren't real. And so I'm noticing that within myself. So I'm going to work really hard consciously on this podcast to be more conscious with my words and slow down with my talk and uh, try to be less offensive. I think I can be a little offensive from time to time. And so that's been an interesting process. But more than anything, listening back to the old episodes, it's been very revealing in terms of what's actually unfolding with the transits that we're talking about. So we've named some dates to prepare for. Uh, The Mars retrograde episode with Ari is actually very good to re-listen to. I encourage everyone to do that because we're, you know, we've just passed the inferior conjunction of the, the Mars retrograde. So at the heart of it, and it'd be, it's interesting to listen back and then see what is actually happening. And so I've been kind of immersed in looking at patterns Uh, in my chart. So transit patterns and progress patterns. And then with this um, perfections that Lisa Scheim talked about on an earlier episode, uh, I've been looking at that quite a bit. So it's been a really reflective week for me and um, very helpful to to see that, okay, you know, I am who I am. I have weaknesses. I have strengths. I have, I'm part of these patterns that are continuously unfolding and, and it's fine and trying to learn to love myself more, even though I do have incredible weaknesses that, which are being highlighted through this podcast. Uh, but that's the benefit of this podcast too, is I think it's really encouraging growth for me personally. Uh, so I wanted to just mention that, um, and put it out there that this is vulnerable. If I've said anything that is ridiculous and absurd, obscene, I apologize, but I'm doing my best and I'm learning and growing every day. So. Oh yeah. And thank you for sharing that piece. I think it's so true that this is such a vulnerable, you know, even though we're not putting our faces out there, well, I'm not anyways, I know you've done a bunch of videos, Eugenia, but, Mm -hmm. uh, it is so true. And I actually don't listen to the podcasts because it makes me cringe to hear my voice and hear the things that come out of my mouth sometimes. And I think, you know, something to mention too, about astrology in general is that there is this pressure to know this, you know, kind of it's, it's, it's hard not to kind of get caught into that web of like, how much can I know and how much do I need to know? And I also had a reflective week in that regard and listening to Mark Jones speak about, um, you know, that you don't need to know everything in astrology in order to be of service to people and to really be able to help people figure something out that's happening in their life. So that's really helped me. And this podcast is also showing a lot to my, you know, to me about myself and challenging me in different ways. So, um, I'm just so appreciative to have it here and just Mm -hmm. to have listeners and people who are interested in learning more and actually want to hear from us. So Mm -hmm. thank you for listening to us and thanks for sharing that, Eugenia. Yeah. Well, and it's funny you say that, Danny, because I've had actually a couple of people tell me how beautiful your voice is on this podcast. So let's remember that because, you know, I have a nasally voice. You have this beautiful, uh, (laughs) you know, Aphrodite Taurus voice. Uh, And then I've also heard about uh, that people that I've been getting feedback from are really happy that we're not talking over them and that we are talking about this 
from a place that we are admitting we don't actually know that much. And also, we never will. That astrology is so diverse, it's so vast, that we're constantly learning. I think any good astrologer can admit that that we have maybe some expertise in, in certain areas. In fact, we're bringing Soul, uh, my mate, onto the, the episode today. And, and her and I know quite a lot about the asteroid goddesses, but we're still learning. And we will admit that, uh, that this is a, it's a, pro- a process. It's, it's always progressing forward. And so I, I think that the pieces you just mentioned that you feel a little insecure about are actually, I think the strengths of this podcast. So I just want to put that yeah. out there for you, Danny, to just chew on a little bit. <laughs> but, um, yeah. And I, I mean, I really don't know very much about asteroids at all. So mm-hmm. I think that this is going to be really valuable for me and, um, excited to learn from the two of you. Yay. Yeah. yeah. And I think actually as a good introduction, uh, segue into bringing soul on, I don't think a lot of people know much about the goddesses. And I think Sol and I have, for whatever reason, picked up on that. <laughs> and um, and we're, we're realizing that there needs to be a voice out there for the, the goddesses. And when we initially decided to do a video, so we are dream team members on the New Paradigm Astrology uh, Co-op, uh, which is Kaipacha's website. And so we're there with a couple of other astrologers and we do expert videos from time to time. And Sol and I happened to uh, come together to do a video. It was kind of like divine and it all came together beautifully. And we were saying, well, what should we talk about? What, you know, what should this be about? And she had mentioned this piece about Venus conjuncting Uranus. And, and I'm, I would imagine she'll talk a little bit more about that, but realizing that something that's up right now is, is, is the feminine. It's very up right now. Now, what is the feminine? What is the feminist? And uh, part of this is because, you know, we're coming out of this, this Pluto Uranus square uh, that's conjuncted in the late 60s, which began the movement of feminism. And now it's kind of coming out again and, and being reshaped and reformed. You know, right now we're experiencing this awesome Earth trine with Venus uh, Mercury, Sun, trining, you know, Jupiter and the North Node and, Plut- and Pluto. So they're all in Earth uh, uh, signs. And it's making this really, really powerful trine. And so the feminist is, is very much up right now. And or the feminine is up. And so there's a there's a hope here to bring the feminine into astrology, because the deal is, is that all of the planets are named after men, uh, gods, except for Venus. And she's the only one represented in the primary planets as the feminine energy. But when uh, the asteroids got started to be discovered, but also placed into the astrology chart was around the time of feminism. And we'll talk more about that. Uh, And so it's actually a really important element, I I think, to understanding the full chart. When I learned astrology, I, I started learning with Jason Hawley in Santa Fe, as I've mentioned a number of times, and he had the asteroids in there right away. So I never learned astrology without them. They were always part of the process for me. And so I've been working with them for you know, seven years at this point. And uh, they're very powerful. They're very telling for both men and women. So we're hoping today to talk 
to elaborate some information on these asteroid goddesses so that people can start paying more attention to them and placing them in the chart and seeing how they work. And, and Sol and I did go on to do a, a nice, robust four-hour workshop, which you can get on, mm. on my website, but I'll give more information about that at the end. But, um, but anyway, so enough of me talking. I, would l- I have the great honor and privilege to be introducing Sol Jonathan. She is just, she's my soul sister, man. I love Sol. <laughs> <laughs> I just, the minute I met her, I was like, oh, snap. I really like this girl. So, um, so with further, no further ado, I, I'd like to introduce Sol. Welcome to Bridging Realities, our podcast. Welcome, Sol. Yes. And, and hey. please tell us who you hey. are and tell us how we <laughs> look for you on the internet and, and, and all that good stuff. And we'll start talking about some asteroids. Yeah, let's. Can you hear me well? Yes. Okay, I'm always a little, you know, Mercury is retrograde. I have Mercury in Pisces. Everything technical. I'm very precautious about these things. Yes. Thank you very much for those nice words. And uh, ditto to you, Eugenia. It was such an awesome and incredibly uh, interesting experience to, to do this reflection with somebody else. Because as you said, there's not enough information on the asteroids and the information you get for me it doesn't really touch the depth of these incredibly mystical uh, feminine um, states of being because all archetypes naturally speak of uh, of a natural dimension or a, a way of being um, and for instance if you look to hinduus um, hindu um, goddesses you have more the Kali, you have more the 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 multitude of of goddesses available for women to recognize parts of themselves in, right. and and I think you know there's a big lack that we only have Virgin Mary in our culture, and it's 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 something that sort of the Puritanism and the distinct um, sort of rejection of everything earthly uh, in our Christian uh, culture is definitely something that's brought a lot of guilt onto anybody on earth uh, today. And we suffer from these deep guilt issues. So definitely working with the feminine energies will heal a lot of the pain of being alive um, and take away a lot of that incredible pressure that people live under if they only live by the the masculine driving forces that you always have to do something. And from a feminine perspective, it's more about receiving and it's more about well, it's more about that blissful ecstasy of being alive. And and uh, I've had, uh, you know, these uh, these Taurus energies and Mercury in Taurus uh, the last week has been deeply meditative for me. And I've been going through a little bit of meditations regarding the... Um, well, the, the connection to energy aspect of of living, you know, having the time to smell out the sweetness of being alive is really important and it juices up everything. So for me, working with these things is absolutely necessary in order to create a, a whole whole perspective on, on anyone's chart. And... Um, and it's a great loss for any woman to not be able to touch and feel her inner feminine energies, to not be able to feel who that woman inside is. And, uh, and it, they try to compensate by using a lot of makeup or uh, dieting or whatever we endure in order to 
to have that faint five minutes acceptance of ourselves that now, oh, now I'm beautiful or now I'm worthy or whatever it is. Whereas there's something really entitled about these goddesses. They feel like life is their right. It's their right to live on earth. It's their right to enjoy the senses and to have the sexual experiences and to, to, to demand from their men. So it's really something that opens up a, a, a very locked down, frustrated feminine energy. So, yeah, so that was my little reflection on what I've done this week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, wow. uh, yeah, but um, apart from that, I'm, um, I'm, as you said, Eugenia, I'm also a part of the dream team with uh, Kaipacha. And um, I also have a little website. Um, <laughs> a little, yeah, it's not a big thing, you know, I'm not a... Uh, <laughs> It's gorgeous, actually, a, people. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's, it's, it's under reconstruction. So right now it looks like Mercury retrograde sort of <laughs> crash party. It really does. I haven't had the time because I'm doing so much um, other things right now. There's a project I'm going to Greece next week uh, or in, the, in, in uh, two weeks to give a lecture on another couple of uh, interesting asteroids which is Eros and Psyche, and it's yeah. for the OPA conference, the Organization for Professional Astrology, which I'm also, um, I'm sort of uh, like the Norwegian attache for OPA, and I'm there to to present my, my lecture on um, on Eros and Psyche, uh, the, the, the ultimate love story, the love story above all other love stories. Yes. And I think it's going to be wonderful. And hence, I was out trying out uh, dresses because I thought I had to match the incredible juiciness of this lecture with an equally powerful dress. So, um, yes. And, um, and then I'm having, I'm hosting Karpacha here in Norway this August, actually. We have a few seats available. So if anyone are ready for some real rock and roll up in the Norwegian woods. Uh, We are here and we're going to have sweat lodge and uh, kundalini yoga and yoga and meditations and astrology, of course. And it's going to be awesome. I love Kaipacha. And and also we have Costa Rica, which I'm really looking forward to next year again. So lots of things happening. And I organize an annual astrology conference here in Norway called Polaris, which I've done for a couple of years now which is really nice and we're bringing in astrologers from all over the world so um, it's fun I have a lot of fun and I work and I write and I yeah I do what most astrologers today do I talk a lot (laughs) (laughs) about astrology I talk astrology here and there yes yes I love it I love astrology it's been one of my it's it's the love of my life. I I have Amen. to say I, I love and and the mythologies and 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 just the meditations and 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 the, the connection with life that I sometimes experience when when I have a, a moment of true gold. When you have that moment where everything is just perfect beauty, yeah. there is such a beauty in astrology. You see people even when they come in, a client come in with a big uh, pain, uh, issues that are. Uh, difficult for them to see beyond the surface and and everything moves up into the surface and the deeper issues emerges and and some release happens and you think wow and today on that particular transit you show up on my you know in my office and it's all so beautiful so I'm so appreciative yeah Mm. wow 
I love having people with Mercury and Pisces on the show. I could listen <laughs> to you talk like all day. It's so beautiful. I love it. Totally. Actually, yeah, Sol, uh, Ari, it's, I think, I'm not sure where his is, but it's conjuncting Neptune, and he's the, he's the same way, right? He's got yeah. this. You just want to listen to him talk. Mm-hmm. It's great. Yeah. Uh, it's those poet astrologers, you know, yeah. they can yeah. do it all rhyme. We can rhyme the entire chart. Yeah. Great. It's true. Yeah, yeah. it's true. I, I love the, um, you know, the flow of language is beautiful. Yeah. So. so you just inspired me to think of something. So yesterday, and this hopefully will get us into the asteroids, but yesterday I, I had a client who is a stay-at-home mom. Uh, and she's a millennial, or I'd like to call Pluto and Scorpio generation. And she struggles with people judging her because she actively wants to stay at home with her baby. And she mm. was saying things to the effect of, you know, women, like my friends come to me and they say, oh my God, how do you do it? I could never stay at home all day with my kid. I would go crazy. Or, you know, she went through all these comments they said, and I looked at her and I said, listen, I think they're just a little jealous, mm. <laughs> you know, and, um, and you're, you, something you said made me kind of think about that when a client comes in and we can just say something that fills their cup to the extent that they walk out feeling so much better it's this work is so incredibly powerful I same deal I'm in love with it I love this work and for everybody learning astrology and everyone wanting to do astrology I can't say it enough do it do it do it it's so good um but when she said that it really got me to thinking about this whole idea of the new feminist which I keep coining it of uh, the right for women to 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 take back some of the, of what we lost in the feminist movement. Um, and, and we've talked about it a lot. We talk about it a lot in the video that we film, uh, but there is something that has happened where women and, and during feminism were, the approach was to be equal to men. We're going to become men. And ever since we've done our talks, I've been watching documentary after documentary about feminism and what was actually happening during that time because I wasn't alive. I didn't actually see what was happening. And yeah, they were just fists up in the air. Fuck you, men. It was so intense. The like you watch these interviews on like late night shows with feminists against these CEO males and they're I, I don't want to say that they're bitches but they're kind of being bitches they're kind of they're being very mean to these men and and so all of these things started happening and they set up this um competitive nature between men and women and here I am a post-feminist woman and I was I there was actually no option for me to not play sports, right? Like, and I'm watching these documentaries and women weren't playing sports in high school and schools. And, and here I was, you know, going to high school. And of course I was going to play sports. I, I started playing sports when I was three years old, when, as soon as I could start walking. And so this huge thing happened in our consciousness in the last 50 to 60 years where women started be taking on incredibly masculine roles. And, um, so while we were seeing these asteroids being placed in the chart, I, I still don't think they've been getting a lot of the credit that they that they deserve because I think that there's there's such a there's still a pedestal patriarch mentality that 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 the 
that the masculine is the dominant, um, more desirable energy, right? To penetrate, like you, you mentioned, soul. And so as we're really trying to put this information out about the asteroids, we're really trying to also put out this, this bringing back the receptive energy that you talked about soul. So, uh, so I just wanted to mention that, and I, I'd love to get into the asteroids now. Um, I'm, I, I'm thinking, where should we start? I mean, we're going to just be talking about four today. There's obviously many, many more. But the, the primary four that most people do use is Ceres, Athena, Juno, and Vesta. And this is the case because um, Demetra George, who is just brilliant, by the way, on Chris Brennan's astrology podcast, y'all, he is doing retrospectives for astrologers and he did an episode with her and she gives her entire life story in one episode. It is so good. <laughs> it's so good. I like, please listen to it. She lived on a commune for a while and that's actually where she learned astrology. And then she's the one who really brought the asteroid goddesses um, out into much mass, uh, mass produced a place because she wrote the book Asteroid Goddesses. Read it, get it, read it. And but we're going to introduce you to some of these goddesses as well, and, and our work that we've done with these goddesses since then. So, uh, so why don't you start us off w- with some of these girls and um, women? Yeah. And, and yes, and- I. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. I I thought you know I, as I did my meditation this morning, and I, I thought um, I will share this meditation with you because it was so powerful. Mm-hmm. Because you have the holy trinity of the. The, the mother, the father, and the son. The son is baby Jesus or whatever you like to call him. It's us. It's the humankind. It's humanity. And then you have mother. <clears throat> it's earth. And you have father. It's heaven. You know, it's, it's the horizontal and the vertical. And it all meets up in the heart, which is us. We are the love. The love is, is, is it's, it's our experience here on earth and I was there as that child and I had the mother and the father on one side and and there was a big huge long reflection on what what it was with that mother matter comes from the word matter which is the material realm and Ceres, which is the mother, the great mother, and the greatest, the biggest of them all in the asteroid belt, I see her as the the ultimate asteroid. You know, for me, she's she's about the size of Pluto, and and she definitely holds a huge power in 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 terms of her mythology in particular, which is perhaps the oldest living mythology we know, Mm -hmm. like the mother was always so incredibly important. We used to live inside of her, inside of caves. Mm -hmm. And we, of course, we came out and we saw the light. We saw the father in the sky. But eventually, you know, where does all of this relationship to nature come from? Nature is not very benevolent, you see, because there's tornadoes and storms and hurricanes and droughts and famine and illnesses and blood and death and everything that's painful. It's really, really hard to live on on the mother. Mother is not a, a very, you know, it's, it's something we should um, definitely have a little respect for, you know, and and I think, you know, if we just rewind 10,000 years, we didn't have the same scientific knowledge nor the technology. So for us then having a, a thunder and lightning storm would have been quite quite the spectacle and very frightening because we're always on, you know, we're living on mercy. And <clears throat> 
I think that created an existential stress in humans, a stress that is, as we know it, as fight and flight response mechanism in the body. And we will have this, what was that, whenever we hear a, a, a sound outside our window when we sleep. It's something that happens automatically. It's connected to very ancient parts of our nervous system, and it's there for our survival. And this existential stress, we live on an earth you know, a third rock from the sun in an unknown space. <laughs> and there's death, you know. Yeah. And and mother was given a lot of energy. She gave birth to babies. You know, she, she as you mentioned, I think it was, yeah, you mentioned, they bled and bled, but they didn't die from it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and it's, so mother was worshipped to the extent that, well, eventually the matriarchs said, we don't need men. So, you know, mother is not a Gentile, uh, always, you know, great thing, you know, and Ceres is neither, uh, uh, you know, it's one of the most intense asteroids you can, whenever you see death, divorces, big disruptions, eating disorder, uh, deep anxieties, it's also the sign, I come to believe now after a lot of study that if you have a strong Ceres, you also have a strong feminist energy you know like an old matri- like the old matriarchy is still there you know the 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 you know because eventually men took over patriarchs you know now we have what we call a patriarchy and eventually you know they treated us with perhaps the same disrespect that at one point in history because we don't know this perhaps we treated men with earlier so there's always this push and pull between there's this split between the uh, feminine and the masculine and especially in the christian traditions which we are all under you know Mm -hmm. like the because there's this ancient quarrel you know like uh, matter is it's not pure enough you know like if you go into the material reality if you just allow your body to to run its own business you will have the fight and flight response mechanism go crazy from time to time and then you will behave in ways that are not civil right or you will eat too much or you will sleep too much or you will have too much sex so there's need for some sort of control some sort of rational control in order to create a civil society and we cannot let the body run away with us therefore i think in a lot of uh, religious traditions there's been this big split because we needed to control and get i would say nature under a certain control and that's what happened during the last, especially the last couple of hundred years with technology and everything and medicine in particular. But still we have that existential stress, stress disorder inside of us. And whenever Sirius shows up in the chart, she is mother nature herself. The mythology is quite clear on this because she is the, the goddess of grain. She, she provides humanity with food and she has this beautiful daughter for her. That's all she needs. It's the bliss. It's the union. She doesn't need a man. Right. So she only needs her daughter. It's uh, it's her life. It's her light. And the daughter is so beautiful. She's this juicy, sexy little thing that Pluto really wants. You know, after a while, it comes a time when all mothers has to let go of their children. And Pluto abducts her. And it's this big trauma for her. You know, Earth, her. She's actually, you know what? Uh, 
um, Persephone is doing, she's smelling the flower called Narcissus. So, yeah, she's like, oh, she's like youth often does, you know, like I'm so intoxicated by life, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and you run right into Pluto, you're right. So it, it's, it's really interesting mythology because it tells you about the mother the teenager mm -hmm. and the big world which is hidden pluto is the hidden one you never know is this guy a good guy or not you know and you always have that pregnancy problem or oh, if i let my daughter out now she cannot choose any man it has to be the right kind of man because if she's pregnant oh she's trapped right she's trapped to this man forever and ever and ever so you have the controlling mother aspect in series definitely and Still change has to happen. It's something, it's something of a natural law. Earlier on, when she was called Demeter in the old Greek uh, traditions, she was known to be the patron, uh, how do you say, the patroness of, of sacred law. Mm -hmm. And uh, sacred law, what is that? I think that is a beautiful word that we've forgotten because even though nature is sometimes very violent and can death is there, you know, it is still something, especially Indians believe that, you know, like if you give, you, you only take from earth what you need and then you give back something. And there's something incredibly beautiful with this. They understood the sacred law. Now we human beings are greedy. We want everything to be as it was yesterday. We are greedy for security. That's what we are normally because we live on the third rock from the sun and we don't know where we are. Mm. So it's really frightening to live here. You know, it's terrifying for most people on a deep existential level. Thankfully, we keep ourselves so busy. We don't, we don't reflect too much on that. But, you know, if we really go into deeper experiences in life, like death, like birth, like becoming, going from, from being a teenager to entering adulthood, we start to reflect on these things, these things that we call change. And change happens just like the cycles happens in nature. So Persephone was abducted. She had to spend uh, time with uh, Hades and there's this big drama and they figure out um, you know, a big, huge drama and um, Ceres realizes that she's been snubbed, that Hades actually, or Pluto, actually asked Jupiter for Persephone and Jupiter said, yes, you can take her. Mm -hmm. And it's really some sort of, you know, you have that in life, like that abrupt awakening that somebody, you know, took away your trust in life. The trust was taken from you. And, and this losing your religion, R.E.M. wrote a song about. It's so fundamental and it's so existential, these, these themes that it's at the core of human experience. And she, Ceres goes into a fit when she realizes this and she goes walking on earth and nothing is produced, everybody starves. You have that revenge of the mother. I won't give you any food now. I don't have, I only have one weapon and it's my nurturing. And, um, and she, I think that is beautiful. She loses her identity. She let go of her goddess, that well, her goddessness, <laughs> and uh, and and it's something that we perhaps experience when we go through these deep changes in life that we lose our identity. I used to be married to this guy, and now I'm not. Who am I now? 
or I used to be a little child. Now I'm uh, almost a, a, a young adult. Who am I now? So there's this search for identity that naturally is induced by having these cathartic changes happening in our lives. And sometimes the trauma with Ceres is quite abrupt and you might ask why, you know, why Pluto, why Ceres? Because they are sort of like same same kind of process. Well, it's nature. You have spring, summer, fall, winter, and this is how eventually Persephone was, they had an argument and they, they reached a compromise and Persephone was uh, free to see her mother six months uh, every year. And that's when summer was. So that's how they explain the cycles in nature. But there are so many cyclical experiences in life you have. And one of these things that I see women often struggle with is going from being a child into having breasts and having their menstruations, giving birth to children, and then growing into old age, losing the juiciness of their fertility. And... Uh, the crisis that each of these stages puts a woman into today. I think it's a sad thing to see so many people do the plastic surgeries and, and everything, like not trusting the natural beauty and, and not trusting also a little bit, you know, what's wrong with being old. Mm -hmm. So today we see, you know, series is really, when you look at series in a chart, you will see the relationship to your mother. You will see the relationship you have to, well, for instance, uh, life in general from a motherly perspective. Will this life sustain me? Am I safe on earth? Can I, uh, am I supplied for? Will there be enough supply? You know, if you don't have food, you can't do anything, right? You'll be living in constant fear of tomorrow. So, you know, like having that being something, there is something that you need to receive and to be given in, in the mythology and psychology of Ceres. Like you have to open up to somebody giving you the nurturance and support that you need. And eventually, and um, it, is, it is about spiritual sustenance. Like, can you trust this life, even though you have to let go, which is one of the key words for this asteroid, let go of something that once provided you with security. Did you externalize your security needs or can you find a deeper source of security inside of you? And of course, the answer is yes to that. You just have to, you know, what else can you do? You can't refuse death. People tried, but <laughs> never worked. You know, like people die. Uh, everything dies eventually, and and it's part of being alive. And it's a little sad, but what to do? You know. So so there's a deep, deep mystery in this. And and the Romans were very particular about these mysteries and had initiations that prepared people to look beyond the whale of dualism, of black and white, of day and night, of winter and summer, to see that there is only one life behind it all, that there's no death. And I think eventually that's like one of the higher realizations you get with uh, if you have a tough and strong series in your own chart and you've gone through all these changes, like you can get to that realization. I've studied series a lot, you know, especially in in relationship to eating disorders because she's very prominent in charts where there's deep eat, uh, uh, problems with food. And I think we live on an eating disordered planet. <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah, we are. Yeah. It's so interesting. I was just listening to this podcast this morning about orthorexia and um, 
you know, fascinating just how there's just all of these different ways in which people control how they can, you know, what they consume because it's such a big part of our life, obviously. So, I mean, everything you said is just so, wow, amazing to hear all of this put together Um, because I've read a little bit about this and it's just the way you've explained it really uh, makes me think about it a lot differently than I had imagined. So I seem to have, well, Ceres is conjunct my son, so I would assume that that means I have a strong placement. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> opposing my Uranus. And, um, you know, the eating disorder piece is interesting because when I was growing up, I, I had a friend who was about six years older than me, and she actually developed an eating disorder when she was in high school. And I kind of learned it from her around middle school, around that change cycle of, you know, watching what I was eating. And I mean, I remember eating like fat-free dressing when I was in sixth grade, you know, really like what sixth grader really needs to watch their weight, you know? Um, and it got worse in high school where I was really, uh, I would definitely say borderline anorexic. And so I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts are about this in terms of, um, how this placement would show up and what it, what it would mean. Well, you know, it's about control, as you said, when there's been a lot of, you know, it doesn't even have to be big traumas. Naturally, it is logical to think that big, huge complexes with food are naturally triggered as a response mechanism to something traumatic that happens, as in this mythology, like there's a rape incident or there is, which is like brutal, oh, I'm, I'm sexual and now I'm like, I'm, you know, up for grabs, you know, and, and or there's this divorce in a family, which also, you know, there's a big riot between Pluto, Hades and Zeus or Jupiter. So there's all these grown-ups that keeps fighting all the time. And let's and not forget that they're all her brothers. So her yeah, brothers it's, it's are like, the ones who take her child and, 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 and as she perceives, rapes and pillages her child. Oh, my God. So, this is so crazy, thinking about my family dynamic. <laughs> wow. See how, okay. by the way, y'all, see how powerful this is? The asteroid goddesses change astrology entirely, entirely. Like, but I want... I yeah. just want to add a little point because I think, you know, I've been, I just wrote a, a long article on series and eating disorders and um, hopefully it will be published. And, um, and it's, it's something that, you know, why, exa- what is it? What, what I want to, I want to discover the feeling, the experiential bit of it, you know, what is it with this body? If your body was earth and suddenly you realize, oh my God, it's growing. I ate something and now it's changing. And then if I don't eat, it's changing back to what I prefer because it matches some external ideal or what I think it should be. You know, we all have these mirror neurons in our brain. So we are very affected with how everything else is. And it's, that's also a of surviving you know if I'm just like the others I'm surviving so it's all about survival and I think you know the the fact that we're getting to some juicy feminine sexual yum yum state is so frightening (laughs) 
Yeah, look at women. We are so hot. It's amazing. <laughs> it is true. I can yeah. understand that they put hijab on us. But I, I've been thinking a lot about the invisible hijab, you know, the one, the cloak that we put on right. to hide our sexual juice because our sexual juice, our sexual prana. And we are very receptive. When some guy meets you with his sexual energy, you'll feel it from top to toe, you know, mm. and we're the one receiving. So naturally, we're under attack when we get into a certain age. And there's a lot of power in sexuality. And this power is a lot to handle. You know, do you know what you're doing? Most girls at 14 have no clue. So it, they rather go back, back to the union between the mother and the child, where the child had no breasts and there was no menstruation. And Symbolically, people with anorexia, if they go far enough down that road, they lose their menstruation. They go back into, they look almost like children, you know, like they go back into this childlike state and they cannot, they cannot feel that there's a rigidity in it. Like there's almost like a, a they go into some sort of, it's almost like being a nun. And, uh, you know, fasting as part of a spiritual tradition, et cetera, et cetera. So there's something with this of it's almost like I don't want to be alive it's, it, because it's so frightening. So it's rather being, you know, learning how to deal with these things is learning how to accept the fullness of who you are and whoever we are and learning to accept especially sexuality and needs in general. You know, like my body needs to beef up a little bit right now because it's winter. <laughs> You know, and I, I need comfort foods today because I'm not feeling groovy. And but now I've ate, I, you know, I ate too much. You know, like I'm a flexitarianian. That's what I call myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's being actively listening to my body. You know, what does the body need now? Oh, I need a nap. Great. I'll go take a nap. Mm. What does the body need now? It's it's my little dog. You know, my little animal. I have to treat it well. And my little dog needs it needs to go for a walk. So if you just listen to your body. But that's it, you know, learning to listen. You find sacred law inside of you. Orthorexia, this new eating disorder when you can only eat green kale, it's, uh, it's really something that is also, you know, I, I put it in the category of anorexia because it's, it's controlling what you put in your mouth to a degree that you think you'll be ill if you eat something else. Right. Yeah, and it's, it's sad to see that the yoga studios that are here to promote health and well-being and neutrality is is promoting these oh you've got to go green you know you have to juice up and you're juicing like it's fashion and that's something that i'm highly critical of because i know the vulnerability of those who are walk you know why are we there we should have been going there. It should have been a Vesta palace where we were given the keys to our rich and beautiful juiciness. And instead we come out with a new recipe for some smoothie mm -hmm. that tastes like shit, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it's good for the brain or something. I don't know. So that's, you know, that's the and which is a natural. We can slide over to Vesta now because she's very important in in in. Um, 
in exactly this um, feminine energy. Eugenia, you mentioned, you know, the, the sacred sexuality and everything, you know, how important it is to be centered in yourself. And, and, and she's the hearth, she's the fire. Vesta, it's not a goddess. It's the, they were protectors of the sacred fire, the fire in any city, and they kept it, you know, burning. And they just imagine this beautiful symbol of keeping something burning. You got to keep something burning. Yes, you have to, to tend it. You have to respect the fire. You have to go there and, and give something to it. Like there's something of a, something very sacred about this space. And Vesta is the connection to the sacred. And I think, you know, there is something in uh, sexuality today that lacks sacredness. It lacks the heart, and it lacks some. Uh, it, it lacks dignity and the spirit. Uh, yeah, well, dignity, I'd say, you know, and I think a lot of women today that develops like, have a serious problem, you know, they get these ugh, these terrible experiences. They will also perhaps feel a lot of healing, learning to embody their Vesta energy, which I find is just a beautiful energy to meditate on. I mean, it's all about meditation and being a little still and sensing in who am I really? So when you're losing your uh, religion or you're losing your identity, Entity, uh, while chasing after unhealthy ideals, Vesta is the place you need to go and lit that fire again so that you can connect back into the light of who you are. Mm. So I really love working with Vesta, definitely. Well, mm. and you know, I'm actually wondering here, Sol, because just talking about Siri, like, I mean, this is how rich this information is. I think we went into this episode hoping to cover all four of them, but I, we're not yeah. going to be able to do it for time's sake. And, um, the, the video soul and I do about these four, four women is literally four hours people <laughs> because there's so much to say. And we just, we could, we couldn't stop. And in the video we did on the <laughs> new paradigm about it was over two hours. I think it was like two and a half hours. And, and because our show is limited in time, um, and you know, we've only just touched on the very basic piece of series, right? I mean, we, mm. you know, we haven't even talked about, uh, maybe some chart example examples or how it shows up for us personally, the three of us. Um, because I think that's actually something that I think would be really rich to talk about is how the three of us have these aspects in us so we can tell our stories uh, so people can start to really embody this themselves uh, because I think it is powerful to hear about Danielle's story of anorexia because it's you know conjuncting her son I, I went through the same thing with it conjuncting excuse me squaring my Pluto uh, so it would be kind of maybe interesting to, to bring that in Mm-hmm. But for sake of time, you know, I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm weary to start talking about Vesta, Athena or Juno in any real way uh, because of, of time, like I said. And I'm, I'm wondering if we should make a series of this uh, where yeah. series, <laughs> no pun, um, <laughs> a series of this where we invite you back soul, uh, three more times, if not many, many more, because you're wonderful. Um, and, <laughs> and maybe we do an episode dedicated towards each uh and i was thinking the same thing i think that's a brilliant idea yeah and i think you know i i would encourage people to to go buy the video it's it's on my website at eugeniacrock.com so that is e-u-g-e-n-i-a k-r-o-k 
com. You can find it under my store page, which I think is under book buy or something of that effect. You can buy that download. Uh, it's just $30. You'll have that. You can watch it throughout time. You're going to get a lot more. We bring a number of chart examples into that talk uh, for each piece and we bring in a couple of celebrities which is always great uh, the Jennifer Lawrence <laughs> example is great and then my, my girl Beyonce um, which by the way I just have to say one quick thing about Beyonce because we have to but she <laughs> I have to excuse me <laughs> soul knows uh, this I talk about her a lot because I think she embodies these women just she's just such a perfect example of how this shows up for women and she's so mm. dynamic and powerful and she just put out this album called Lemonade and I swear to God every song in the album I can tell you which one is Athena which one is Juno which one is Ceres and which one is Vesta and you can yeah. see how she is acting out these archetypes from the um, devoted partner through Juno to the like angry fucking partner like Juno and then she uh, you know to daddy's little girl that's a uh, literally a song it's called daddy's girl i think mm. on the album and that's athena and then she goes into um the sexuality obviously there's a, a song that begins with six inch heels she walks in the door like nobody's business and it's just like sultry um like vesta <laughs> and then she's got the series piece so she actually has clips of her daughter throughout the entire mm. movie um, well, she's a Sun series, and and I, I, yeah, and 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 I must say, it's very very sweet. You have that obsessive, uh, compulsive Beyonce complex. <laughs> I'm obsessed with her. It's, it's kind it's of an so issue, funny. but I just I think that she is the the modern day feminist. She's she is yeah. you know as much as people want to hate her, love her, I don't really care. She <laughs> is the modern feminist, and she is saying that our power as women, yes, we are strong, and we can go out in the world and penetrate it and do those things but our our job is to to be women that is our strength and she and you watch her videos and they're a little uncomfortable because they're a little sexy but she's saying look at my breasts because this is why I'm powerful look at my fucking my cunt because this is powerful I'm a strong female figure and I, I I'm just very drawn to her because of it she's she she puts pushes the envelope and and she's got that serious piece that is so strong in her chart um like like Jennifer mm. Lawrence and we're looking at these women in the collective who are they're 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 taking feminist to vi feminism to a very different place that it has never been before exactly mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and when you said that you know the juiciness of her being she's totally you know I, I i i think it's so interesting because she's informing so many people mm -hmm. and liberating so many women yes and and she's also a very pronounced advocate of respect yes and i think you know if you uh, look at you know the I, I meditate uh, a lot you know like every day and and um, we connect to different uh, energies when we meditate. This is part of meditation that is uh, it's almost like a yoga. And uh, some of the reflections that I've done on the masculine and the feminine centers is that you know the, at one point somebody told me you know the feminine center on Earth on Earth like if Earth had an energy center is the Amazon. And you look at the Amazon that comes out of this and this river that comes out of it almost like a it's almost like a bush, you know, <laughs> and out of it, every life form known to human mind 
comes out of this place. It's just, it keeps breathing and giving birth all the time. It's you know, like you, all the species you have there. It's just a jungle and it's boiling and it's demanding and it's terrifying. And it's just like a woman, you know, like so, so it's so much of her mm-hmm. and that's women. And I think the worst thing a woman can do in order to please a man is to make herself, you know, like more like a Pallas Athena kind of girl, mm-hmm. like very easy digestible. Yes. Yeah. And, and, instead of being is highly demanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Don't go all the way into diva drama queen. I mean, no, no, don't have to do that, mm-hmm. but you know, like, stay in your power mm-hmm. and the masculine center which is very interesting because look what came out of that is himalayas mm-hmm. where you had these <laughs> so men men on mountains meditating refusing to relate to the world <laughs> in a cave you know all i want is peace you know how men are you know everything i want i just want some quietness i Can can't handle have... you you're too much <laughs> <laughs> So we have it here. I just want to bring forth these symbols because I found them so powerful to just reflect on and meditate on to understand that that incredible distance between men and women. Sometimes we experience it in our relationships and or between the masculine and the feminine. It could be equally, uh, you know, complicated in a in a same sex relationship because you always have the polarities going on there, too. So. You know, but it's just that, you know, and, and women, you know, the, the, the less we appreciate each other for what we can bring to into the circle, the more drama it gets. You know, a rejected woman, she will make a lot of war, you know, so, so you know, just feel out the energies. That's what what I would love people to do when they explore these things come to terms with what is feminine energy and what is masculine energy and then you'll see the dynamics much easier and it's so much more fun to study the goddesses after that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because they're sim- they're they are secondary to the primary feminine right mm-hmm. just as the masculine uh, deities are secondary to the masculine supreme being <laughs> right you know the yin and the yang and then all the multitude of of manifestations that comes through the pantheons. Yeah. yeah. But I agree. This is just a theme that can go on forever and ever yeah, and ever. Go for, yeah. And, you know, it's, I, I have a last thought. It, it, because of the Pluto-Uranus conjunction, now uh, we can maybe do an episode on this at some point, but this began a revolution. We know this. It happened in the late 60s. It always initiates revolution, whether it be the Industrial Reformation, whatever it might be. When we go through massive cultural changes on the planet, it, it has a lot to do with the dancing of Uranus and, and Pluto. And and as this square is occurring, there is it's kind of like the summer solstice of this revolution. It's like all the seeds that were planted in the 60s are now emerging from the soil and, 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 and starting to look certain ways. And I would, you know, if I had the opportunity to live through the whole cycle, which I won't, uh, I mean, who knows, <laughs> you know, maybe they'll invent a, a way to not die, but I highly doubt that in my lifetime. Um, but, you know, it, it, I think as we watch these asteroids 
I, I think it's important for us to watch the development of them during these this massive um, revolution period, uh, how they're now starting to emerge in astrology in a bigger way, um, where they were only being planted in the, in the consciousness in the 60s. But I would be so curious to see what's going to happen in the next 50 years, which, you know, God willing, I'll get to see um, before we go through the, the opposition phase. Um, you know, what's that going to look like? What are these, what's the form going to, how's that going to change? And how, how are women and men's relationships going to shift over this time as well? And, and with androgyny, which I've talked a lot about, what's that going to look like? Are we all going to be androgynous? Are we, are we going to take back the feminine, take back the masculine? What is this going to look like? Um, Mm. Because I think there's a fear, you know, I, I showed that video to a man and he, his, his immediate response after it was over was she's scary. And, whatever man can put up with her, like, God bless him. I don't know what man could put up with a woman like that. And my, like, and my, yeah. So the, and and my like response, I kind of wanted to slap him in the face. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're like, she's so cool. And, and, yeah, but But I think, you know, just bringing back, what is this time? What is this? What are the flowers that are emerging now? Because the seed was planted in the sixties and now we're smelling the flower the emerging flower of 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 the cancer face and it's it's that it's that identity i am a woman you are a man mm. and it's the, the identity emerges mm-hmm. and i think uh, the freedom of having that identity. I am a transgender man yes. or I'm a transgender whatever, you know. I mean, or I'm bisexual or a homosexual or a polyamorous. You know, it doesn't really matter. But you are who you are and your identity is now allowed in yes. a, in, to a bigger degree. And what happens then is very interesting. Relationships deepens mm-hmm. and intimacy occurs Intimacy is what we lacked on earth. We have, we have n- not much experience with deep, intimate relationships. And we are petrified of them, yet we know we have to go there because that's where the healing happens between man and woman. And this ancient split between Adam and Eve or Lilith and Adam. <laughs> yes. and, and, you know, between God and, and, and men, between woman and man, between this culture or that culture, that will eventually be healed because it's based on judgment and it's based on prejudice and misunderstanding and nothing else. I get reports uh, on people saying that what happens i mean it's like spirituality is finally blossoming and we are getting deeper into relationships like we are more available to each other and feminine energy is all about relating relating connection connection and i i think it is so beautiful i'm so glad to be alive at this time in mm-hmm. in, in, in in life i'm blessed amen definitely yeah definitely yeah. So mm. I think this is the, the the point I've got to I've got, I'm going to cut off this situation the the the, the, <laughs> the the conversation. I'm going to pull out my Saturn Capricorn <laughs> man parts. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but geez, gosh, this is oh man. If like you know we didn't have limits in life, I would sit on this conversation for as long as it took. Yeah, um, but until we started to repeat ourselves. <laughs> yeah, but even so, like some of the stuff that's been discussed today is repeated. But it's like, no, I want to hear it again. It's just so <laughs> ugh, I want to eat it. 
So, um, so yeah, so, so thank you. You are. Yeah. Thank just, you so much for joining so, us. And oh, thank so you both rich you. and awesome. I can't wait to go back and listen to it again. I'm actually going to listen to it, not that I'm <laughs> talking, but I'm going to re-listen and, please, and I can't wait to explore this more in depth. And please, serious son, recognize the beauty of, 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 of who you are. Right. I mean, I think that that's can be some of the, ch- the challenge of the series son deal. And, and you are beautiful, Danielle, you have such a gorgeous voice and you're so knowledgeable and articulate and yes, please listen back because you're lovely and wonderful. And, um, I'm encouraging you to do that. So, uh, do it. Um, <laughs> and, and again, for everyone, uh, please go ahead and get that talk in the meantime. Uh, there's a lot of stuff we cover in there that we won't ever be able to cover on the podcast. So go ahead and do that. Um, and yes, we've got some Facebook friends now, right, Danielle? <laughs> Um, we mentioned yeah, lots of Facebook friends. Yay. So share it with people. Yeah, let yeah keep keep liking us on the social media and all that because we're putting ourselves out there now. And um, friend us, like us, uh, follow us, whatever. And well, you know what? There's one thing I wanted to add. Somebody had asked me just a quick question about the most recent podcast about fertility and how it, you know because we only mentioned female fertility. Mm. Um, and I just want to address huh. that that particular person and anyone else who is curious that fertility can also show up in a man's chart with the fifth house. And of course, men are, you know, typically more fertile always, but they do have more fertile times throughout the different lunar phases, um, as well. So I just wanted to mention that and we don't have to go into it, but I just wanted to acknowledge the dudes out there and anybody who was curious about male fertility. So thank you. That is I didn't even think about that. My yeah, God. takes two tango. <laughs> right. You know, we need them. <laughs> yeah, sperm and eggs. Yay right. for them. Yeah. That's how it works. Well, on that note, um, we wish you all a fertile spring uh, yeah. as we are in that that time of year, and and we will uh, will definitely be bringing soul back on because this is, we must awesome. continue this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but in the meantime, have a beautiful spring. Thank you again, soul. And um, much love to all of you. Much love. Ciao.